myself. Hi, everybody. Hi, Becky. Hi, Beck. It's lovely to see nice you today. See you. Well, we're really pleased to be joined by Jess Gosling. Jess is an international teacher currently out in Taiwan. Um, she's also a writer, uh, so author, done lots of blogs, and, and has done a lot of teaching in, around the world, really. So, hi, Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Rebecca. Great to see hi. you. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us late at night as well after a busy day. We do appreciate that. Uh, so, Jess, if you could start off by telling us a bit about the role of an international teacher, so what that looks like and how you, you ended up being where you are, really. Um, so, I began as an English teacher in Japan, um, just to try out the waters, and then I got qualified in the UK, and I did my two years, including induction in the UK, and honestly, I struggled with the work-life balance and um, the amount of hours and the sheer exhaustion of the workload mm. I had there. Um, so I was quite intrigued to try working abroad in terms of um, salary, especially because we were at the stage we really needed to start saving, um, and adventure and excitement and to work in different cultures. So we started off by teaching in Egypt, which um, was a really nice school to start with because it was quite relaxed and I could be really flexible with my planning and my teaching. Um, I had lovely colleagues um, from all age ranges, so I, I was settled in the community really, really quickly. Um, and then we moved to Vietnam following, because there was an Arab revolution at that time, so we moved across to Vietnam, it was a bit, bit safer to move there. And I had my little girl there, and we stayed seven years. And then now we're in Taipei, in an international school for four years. Um, the life of an international teacher, I'd say it's just as busy as home, but I do feel I get all my work completed in the daytime. I have about five hours roughly PPA, but we do work a longer day than the UK, so it's not, not particularly brilliant, but I, at least I'm in school and I can get it done in school yeah. and I don't have to work at home. That's it, it's keeping um, that, that balance, isn't it? And home is home then, which is often very difficult definitely. for people in education. Mm. Definitely. But a, a big plus, I'd say, to teaching abroad is that there's, um, especially in a not-for-profit school, there's a lot more money um, in the school due to the fees. So there's a lot more staffing. So I'm in early years and I have about, I'd say it's an, one full-time extra member of staff and then two part-time staff that work with me um, in terms of Mandarin teaching and um, teaching EAL. So that's wonderful, but also in terms of resources, we're incredibly well resourced. Um, we can order whatever we want. If we see like the children are interested in something, we can, within reason, um, ask it to be ordered and it be there the next week. If it's local, um, there's never really any question about, um, you know, having to bargain for something, mm. or, or it, which I really, really like. We, yeah. we have really great resources and yeah. we at the minute I'm in a very, very lovely team. So we're constantly developing our pedagogy together as well. So yeah. Um, and have you, have yeah, you, have you noticed, Jess, I was going to ask, have you noticed that sort of coming from different, you know, different backgrounds and everybody, you know, different, different countries, have you noticed that there is a similar ethos? Is, or is that something that you've worked to create in, in the schools you've taught? Or is that something that's just happened quite naturally? Um, I think as I've developed as a teacher, my ethos has changed and it hasn't always been really um, reflective of the school, I'd say, like, because I, I absolutely adore early years, like it's, I, I, I can never imagine leaving early years, I absolutely love it. I've really come to realise that because I have EAL children, a majority EAL children, that we often talk about them like that, but we don't really think about their well-being quite so much and how it's even more challenging for them to enter a school at four and just adapt to everything that's 
in a school and especially for these children where their, their funds and knowledge are very different to their home and where they live um you know some of them don't know how to play they haven't really had that experience or any of the toys that we have mm. so i'm i'm really big on well-being for them um and that's not even due to covid that's just more as they're in a completely different environment and you know sometimes a challenging environment for them like when i think about how much they have to concentrate um and try to respond and all the time they're interpreting in their heads what what's being said um because we do teach them as part of um like a, a bilingual program so they are learning both in english and in mandarin mm. so they have that double challenge yeah, so, I guess just thinking yeah. about how, just thinking about a lot of the visits I do over here as a speech therapist, I'm often asked about children where English is an additional language and and roles, responsibilities and how practitioners and educators can help. And often I would talk about, you know, use of visuals. If you, what would you say is, is a really important something, something that our practitioners here could really take on board about supporting these children? Because I think you're right about that feeling as an adult, if you imagine how that would feel to be put mm. in an environment where you don't understand what's being said and you, you perhaps don't recognise the toys and things like that, that's that's quite daunting. So have you got any advice, any top tip or anything? That yeah, so we use lots of visuals, like you said, mm. and a lot of our language is song-based. So if I'm teaching feelings, then we'll be doing a morning song with feelings in it um, with lots of actions, and then there's photos of those feelings too. But we do translate a lot, and I think it's really, really important that children can use their home language mm. a lot of schools are quite scared of that particularly um, international schools but we do have it where at times they're speaking their home language and then they will report back in English with the support of the teacher so it's trying to let them be really strong in their native language before we start you know insisting that they they speak English because they need to know it in both mm. um, I just make the lessons really fun and engaging as well and I mean you can do that without EAL children but I think the challenge there is to keep them if they're, they're not quite understanding every word they're interested to focus on you so I use puppets a lot um, I use active games where they're running about you know and and shouting a phrase when they get to a certain side of the room so I just keep it really really engaging and preferably short as well. Um, I, I'd rather do a few short sessions than try to make them sit for 20 minutes, sure. really. Yeah, no, yeah. that's great. And I think we've touched on this already, but you know, you as an educator and with your sort of special areas of interest, what, what's your biggest passion in early years in education? Um, I really think being child-centered um, and letting them lead the way. Um, as a mother too, I notice this is a very, very important. Like they will develop when they are ready and um, pushing them too early. Like we're talking about the catch-up agenda, even mm. for reception. I mean, they will get there, but they will take their time. So as I've, I progress as an educator as well, I feel child-led and also allowing them agency and, and treating them as people is really, really important. And they constantly surprise me and, you know, I, I learn off them and they learn off me. So I like to think like we co-teach together and we co-learn together and it's, that just makes the whole experience quite exciting for all of them. Yeah, that's lovely. Jess, thank you so much for, for joining us today. It's been really, really interesting. Pleasure. I could talk for hours about this, but we unfortunately don't have hours. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you so um, much and too. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.